right. Yeah, here we go. Tombstone Minute. This is Minute 55. I am Rob. And joined by Joe, we are going to talk about the minute where the Earps are hanging out at the Oriental and they contemplate their future in Tombstone. Is that too heavy? No, I mean it's this is a this is a good dramatic moment here. Like this is a, a nice turning point where yeah. the Earps have to decide if they're going to stay on the sidelines and let the Cowboys run this town. It it is it is a, it is actually for like a quiet moment in this movie done well because um, first off, let's just jump right in. We get some beautiful sunrises. Yeah, th- there's actually not there's some beautiful landscape shots, but not sort of done for atmosphere like this one is they're usually because someone's coming from someplace or something mm-hmm. but here just sunrise as a nice transitional point like all right everyone slept it off here we are the next actually a few days later a few weeks yeah so yeah. time has sort of passed by we're back in the oriento and uh this is you know classic uh boys hanging out playing billiards um, yeah <laughs> and it, it works pretty well because like we get exposition over what you know what's happened since the Fred White slaying, and then uh, we're setting up a kind of you know a dramatic change that will occur. So Wyatt tells a story about how Judge Spicer, um, you know, went back and forth, and they said that you can't have a murder without a witness. Um, and so let's let's talk movie world for this a little bit. Okay. Um, so Wyatt is is. I mean, he 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 acts like he's not upset, but obviously, you know, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have intervened and you know even told the story if he didn't care. Um, what bothers me is Behan and Josephine saw all of this. Why why wasn't Josephine a witness? Uh, it, it sounds. I I think obviously we're probably thinking. <laughs> Obviously, two guys doing a minute-by-minute podcast about this movie <laughs> might be thinking a little too much about this. Maybe. But I, I would imagine we're meant to think that this whole system is pretty corrupt and that the Cowboys like are kind of untouchable. That we shouldn't trust Spicer? Is that what you're saying, Joe? <sighs> yeah, I think that Spicer, <laughs> Spicer is a guy who might lie and we shouldn't trust him. We're talking about Spicer right yep. now. Yep. So, uh, tombstone. That and that's kind of why Behan doesn't want to go and intervene with Curly Bill, like the cow, like. Well, and and even sense. even even Fred White earlier says that that town, that that the Cowboys are good for business because they spend lots of money. I just Behan makes sense, but the Josephine thing, you know, it seems like a thing her character would have done something about. Yeah, but Wyatt probably doesn't want her to get tangled up in this. Yeah, or even Behan doesn't want her to be tangled up. I mean, yeah, I don't think true. anyone wants her involved with it. Um, obviously, we talked about what happened in real life a little bit. Fred White lived for a few days after being shot in the groin. Gave yeah, testimony. Nice, it harkens back to my that that <laughs> awful day when I got hit by a volleyball in the groin. <laughs> yes, uh, he he gave his testimony that it was on accident and then died. I th- I think we need to drill into this a little more than we did before. Yeah. Um you got, you need to drill into the groin shot yeah. here. <laughs> oh man. What a sad sack. Um so <laughs> Just get to like, the point. So 
so Fred Fred White, like this poor guy, goes out there to help out, like to like try to just calm Curly Bill down. Curly Bill accidentally shoots him, and like Fred White still like it's cool, man. Listen, I'll be fine. You just shot me in the groin. No big deal. Test, you know, goes in and testifies that it was on accident. Wyatt kind of also testifies in real life that he didn't see Curly Bill actually fire the gun at him maliciously. Um, Curly Bill feels bad about it, and then and then Fred White dies, <laughs> like the next day. Because obviously it's you know the 1880s and yeah. uh, gunshot wounds are tough to get through. But like, <laughs> it's just like, I mean, I, I almost want to say what a kick in the balls, but really, <laughs> like, for the real life Marshall, he just took the blame on this essentially. Now nah, it was my fault. I probably you know I grabbed the gun incorrectly for me when you were firing it off like a like a drunken. Maniac. I think he might be taking the blame for it because he's so embarrassed that he's the first thing Curly Bill ever shot on purpose. So he yeah. so the only way to save face is to say like, well, it was because of a mistake I made, something I did. That's why he hit me. Yeah, that's true. And then Fred White just had to nut up and take it. <laughs> okay yeah you're just i i'll never I, I just never forgive you for that day you said you didn't like puns it's really the lowest morally speaking the lowest moment of your life i was just dicking you around it's not a big deal that's technically a swear <laughs> i don't think so i'm the one who makes that decision around here joe um so so he finishes telling the story about about Spicer. Wyatt continues telling the story. And then he essentially is just like, who cares? None of my business I, I, anyway. I, you know, I, I criticized him earlier in the week on this, and I thought about it more. And I actually, I kind of get it. Like, when you work, when you when your career is dealing with people and lives, like as a, uh, you know, my line of work or... Mm-hmm a police officer and stuff like you got to like have a mechanism internally to like distance yourself from it. Otherwise you'll just go crazy because you witness all these terrible things happening and I'm not equating my job to a law enforcement officer or anything like that. Or a pharaoh dealer. Or a pharaoh dealer. Yeah, I guess that is what he is now. (laughs) Um, You just kind of have to have this thing like when you're raging against this sort of corrupt machine, you kind of have to like, say like ah oh, sometimes things don't work out and laugh it off it's the only way to stay sane i'm sure it's like that in every line of work i guess well but except with his it's well maybe not his present one but before this was a life and death kind of thing well he sort of doubles down on it a little bit um because um they kind of this minute sort of we're jumping ahead a little bit but the minute sort of ends with him talking about how you know they should open up their own place build it up get all the money they can out of it and sell it for a tons of money. And what does he say? Like have more money than Croesus? Yeah. Is that just like some Greek King or something? Do you know? Um, but he had legendary powerful power and wealth and is used as a symbol of human vanity. Ah, okay. Well that works for this. Yeah. Um, before we get there though, I want to say the Oriental looks, the Oriental looks a little different here. 
the bar they're in. This is not the view of the Oriental that we're used to earlier. There's no feral. There's no like. Uh, well, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned like this earlier that you're a little confused. The camera's just pulled back a little farther. But Wyatt, where he's kind of standing and hanging out here, the he this the, he's walking in and talking to the the owner in the same spot here as as that the first minute when he goes and gets takes care of uh, Johnny Tyler. So yeah. the bar is just shaped like a horseshoe. There's a wall that partially obscures one side of the bar from the other. So there's there's two rooms with like a three-quarters wall that goes goes down the middle of it. Oh, so so this Okay, you're right cuz where Milt is at in this sequence is the same spot that yep. he's at at the beginning of the Johnny Tyler sequence. Yep. But this is our I guess I'll just say this is our first time seeing Oriental from this view, but you're saying this is where the Cowboys were earlier that yeah. I thought was a different bar. Yeah, okay. and when like Wyatt first goes into the Oriental, the camera is kind of like positioned where the pool table is to show his interaction with the owner. With well, uh, I can't remember his name, but let me Milt. Milt. Yeah, Milt. Let me let me give this movie credit. I mean, we're watching this minute by minute and analyzing this in absurd ways, and like its use of space seems like it's actually working like this yeah. is a real place yeah this is, a, this is a really cool bar it is a really cool bar i can't wait to take our our fan bus down to it yeah we got to plan that out uh, <laughs> we, we got to do we should start a gofundme send joe and rob to tombstone god how shameful would that, <laughs> that be, would be i would not do that um so uh we also find out a little fact about morgan during this minute okay uh loves billiards he goes yeah God, i love this game <laughs> yeah i do too don't you and, um i don't know so i grew up in a bar like my parents owned bars wow, that's growing weird. up and where did you uh, sleep <laughs> uh actually I just love Joe, imagining it was this little popper that like you, you were you were an orphan who just washed dishes in a bar and slept there well there was my parents did have a bar and then there was a back room that I would go into. And it had and a great name, listeners. <laughs> yes. Nub's Pub was the name of my dad. I think bar. the listeners would love to hear the story behind that, if uh, you don't my, mind telling it. No, it's fine. My dad um, had lost his hand when he was young, working in a paper factory, his right hand, and his nickname was Nub because that's – I guess, you know what? We make fun of, like, people calling um, – we, we make fun of people calling uh, – uh, Doc Holliday a lunger, but here we are only like 50 years later. My dad lost his hand, and they called him Nub. <laughs> when I so. first when I first met Rob's dad, uh, shoot, that would be 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously I noticed, <laughs> and then uh, fairly soon after that, I found out that Rob's dad was a World War II veteran, which mm-hmm. also certainly threw me for a loop uh and then i'm like oh so that's how and then rob's like nope <laughs> that's not how he lost it yep afterwards it, the hand survived the war it was only <laughs> it, afterwards it did not survive capitalism my my dad's literally my dad's right hand that he lost has more uh is more heroic than my whole life <laughs> <laughs> And yeah. it only like was with him for like a quarter of his life. It's <laughs> you your dad is Wyatt Earp and you're Morgan. 
Yeah. Oh man. Oh, it's so true. Oh man. <laughs> and I, I say that I would also be Morgan compared to your father as well. But um, so then, so then Morgan suggests like he talks about how much he loves the game, and he's like, "We should all have, we should have pool rooms in our houses when we grow up." And then that gets wide on what I was mentioning about his little capitalistic run of what they should do. And I was wondering, what do you think Milt thinks of all this? Because Milt is there with them. They've entered an arrangement with Milt. Is he happy to hear the herbs talk about opening their own place? Or I don't, is he like, I don't I, know, guys. I think it's actually, I really like think that this is good, subtle writing here. Because they disrespect him. <laughs> they have so little respect for him. After they let he let Johnny Tyler run roughshod over him, yeah. that he'll just openly talk about all this stuff right in front of him because he knows Milt's not going to do anything. Who cares? Because he even mentions Milt shortly before this. Like, and he gets something from Milt and says thanks, and then just goes on like, "What do you guys think? Should we get our own place?" <laughs> I think it's a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah, he says thanks, Milt, because Milt lays out all the cash that he earned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they have no respect for Milt. I don't either. Um. And then uh, this minute ends with, you know, I don't want to have any spoilers, but Virgil is visibly upset about all this talk. Yeah, and I, I've i always, I, I really respect Virgil because I think that, I like to think anyways, that um, it, all, that's, all this stuff that's going on would have really bugged me too. And I could see myself doing what Virgil does. Yeah, I mean, I think there is. I think there is something about. There's something to say about having. Uh, how do I get it? I, we'll see more about Virgil's like views later on. But like one thing about Virgil is he does have a morality to him and sort of like an idea of right and wrong. Yeah, he has a code. And and like if you agree or disagree with that code, there's always something nice about knowing where you stand with a guy like that. Yeah. Whereas, like, Wyatt and, to a lesser extent, Morgan sort of dabble into whatever works best for them at this point. Yeah, Morgan just follows, you know, whoever follows happens to be around. Morgan's following his big brother. Yeah, and I don't blame him for that. Um, as the oldest, I agree that, that siblings should always agree with what the oldest sibling <laughs> says. But uh, Wyatt, I mean, Wyatt is being a jerk. But I, I don't know. I, I think that Wyatt, like, okay, so we just saw an example of this. Like, what happens to a lawman in this sort of semi-state yeah, state of anarchy that is the Old West at this time? Like, what's the, uh, I, I mean, I can see how you can get cynical and think, like, what's the point? Might as well just make a bunch of money and not worry about it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, that's kind of a timeless thing is, is you look at the injustice in the world and you, you have to make that decision. Like, are you going to do something about it or you just kind of kind of construct some walls around yourself and your family and just take care of yourself and not worry about all that and it's or i i understand the impulse to just put walls up if you're or, privileged enough to be able to do it or you're maddie and you just shove your finger in a bottle i mean i get that too man this friday pod this happy hour got real dark joe is this, is this how we're gonna leave people no, let's think of something. And what I do like about this minute is like towards the end of it when Wyatt's starting to kind of get excited and talk about his plans. That's where you st- you get a little bit of that like 1980s like John Carpenter movie Kurt Russell where he's getting all excited and he's kind of talking some trash a little bit. Even even the moment 
when he's telling the story about what happened to Spicer and he's sort of like, um, you know, who cares? None of my business anyway. It does feel like a Jack Burton from Big Trouble in Little China yeah, moment. to hell with bit. it. Yeah. None of my business, right? Yeah, it sounds like he's in his truck, like, talking on the CB radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is which is wonderful. Um, I don't have anything more on this minute. No, I just, uh, I think listeners, you got to buckle up, because this is when this movie really starts to starts to get going. Like I was saying yesterday, uh, yeah. it, it, it gets pretty fun now. Shots, shots have been fired. Indeed. <laughs> All right. Hey, are we going to be back next week? Absolutely. Are we we'll going to have another next Huckleberry week. next week? Yes, we will. I, As far as I know, we will have a Huckleberry oh, every Wednesday. Oh, man. Yeah. The tradition, we, a tradition unlike any other. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. We'll be back next week. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.